Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast, a special Monday edition. Yes, you just heard from me on Friday. It's Monday. There was just a few days in between. Two of them, matter of fact. But we're going to come to you and give you a little bit of an update. Did you know there's an American to Slovenia pipeline connection? We're going to talk about that. Final sixth stage of the tour of the Basque Country. That's kind of what prompted me to do this. I want to get the analysis out there right away since it's fresh in my mind. I lose track if we go too far down the week. Tour of Turkey, Cavendish's wins. Are we going to be excited about that? I don't know, maybe some ride of the week. The Ardennes Classics are coming up and some crazy, crazy news headlines featuring our one and only Lance Armstrong. I thought we would uh, go over that. This is Monday, April 12, 2021, Between Two Wheels podcast. Episode 232. I hope everyone had a good weekend. Did I get out for a ride? I got out for a little ride on Sunday. Uh, Saturday did not happen, nor Friday. My daughter had senior night for, she's a cheerleader, captain. Um, They were able to have that. It was kind of exciting for her and for everyone. Um, You know, long years of doing that and watching her. At least they were able to get back to school for that. Uh, Sunday or Saturday, we went to San Jose to my in-laws, had a good time over there, came home and I did a ride yesterday. And I know some people went and did some racing down in Southern California this weekend and good for them. And maybe we'll talk about that coming up. Look, there should be plenty of time between races. I also remember there's some issues with, um, Sky Martinez doing races on the NCNCA, people complaining. I chimed in a little bit. I'm just, I'm confused because, you know, there's concern that, um, it's not uh, sanctioned by the USAC. And so then some people are like, hey, what about upgrade points? And he said he's going to try to see if he can get some of those corresponding, according to my peripheral reading of this, uh, Matt Martinez, Sky Martinez. I think that's his dog. But uh, Matt Martinez uh, that is doing the races indicated it, things came together too quickly. USAC, who's not prone to being very responsive. See a few episodes back for my own personal things. Um, he said he just rushed out and got uh, licensing through. I want want to say the wrong uh, acronym, so some other acronym, and uh, racing's whatever he's able to do, and some so because he wasn't able to do it in time. So hey, there you have racing. People are complaining. Hey, I don't have upgrade points. One person in particular I chimed in like. So race anyway, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. And he's like, I, but I, if I race, I don't get upgrade points. And I'm like, so I look back on him, you know, he's uh, cat three. I think he's been racing maybe two years, you know, six races, nine races a year. Dude, uh, no offense, but this is some friendly advice. Someone who's been doing this since um, I'm really young, get out and race. The more you race, the more you learn to win, the more it's going to help you to win and getting in a so it's not for upgrade points. You know what, though? It'll serve you better. It'll serve you better. So get out there and try it. That's kind of what, uh, you know, some of these uh, learning crits and everything are all about. Um, you go out there and dominate. I will, put, like I said, you'll be a writer of the week on the Between Two Wheels podcast. Maybe in a shirt. This shirt? No, this one's mine. And you don't want a dirty old worn out shirt. All right, let's get right away to some Lance Armstrong news. Oh, boy. I don't even know where to begin on this one. Um and, and part of my problem with this first one is it's not Lance. It's about his son. I feel bad for everyone involved. But it's the headline. The headline is what caught me here. Lance Armstrong's son, Luke, arrested on sexual assault charges. Okay, that's not good. Here we go, though. Uh, 21-year-old is accused of assaulting a 16-year-old girl in his father's home 
in 2018. Now, uh, you know, I talked to, uh, I sent this over to Kurt and Chris and I'm like, what the heck? You know, it's so stupid the way that they try to drama dramatize these headlines and make it different. And Kurt's like, Hey, I was able to do the math. Why are you required to do math in a headline? I mean, they could have easily just said 19 year old is accu accusing, uh, 18 year old of abusing her at his father's house in 2018. You don't have to do that. He's 21 now. She's 19 now. Um, this, and the reason this makes a difference is because you go, oh, 21 year old and 16 year old. Well, no, at the time he was 18, she was 16. I'm not, I'm not doing anything other than the headlines here, folks. Okay. Um, but there's statutes in California, in Colorado, sorry, in Texas, uh, Romeo and Juliet statutes or what have you about being together as a couple. And therefore the statutory rape issue is kind of, a little, anyway, um, sounds like his son might be a typical creep that you have. And so not a problem there. Uh, just only a problem with the headline because there's no need to uh, make it more uh, insidious than it already is, right? So uh, anyway, you're going to be a problem. Look, I do a lot of domestic violence restraining orders. You have these kind of issues. You don't need to, you know, make it in the news. And and I think that's what it is. So it's uh, good or bad for all these people. I don't know. Kind of sucks either way. Either way, his son appears to have been arrested now. We'll figure out what's going on there. But Here's what's even more insidious. Lance Armstrong, <laughs> go to this one. Former French anti-doping bosses boss accuses Lance Armstrong of motor doping. Verde says he doesn't think Armstrong's performances were possible on just EPO alone. Now, I think this headline is actually dropped or leaked from the Armstrong camp to <laughs> take away from any possible thing with his son. They want to get this out there. I mean, come on. I don't think motors were really a, even a thing back in the day. And I mean, he doped, it was bad enough. He was, he was doping on that, but let's just Armstrong, Lance Armstrong. This is the best scam with complicity at all levels. He got special treatment. Many told me that I should not tackle legends that I was going to find myself alone. But if the legends are mounted on anything, I also believe that he had a motor in the bike. Jean Perry Verdi told French television programming started two during an interview motor doping or mechanical doping is a method by cheating by using a hidden motor inside a bike to add power this technological fraud is banned by the uci i still have the images in my head of a mountain stage where everyone is collecting themselves and he leaves everyone on the ground at the end of the stage i call all the specialists i know and they don't understand how this performance is possible even with the upo there was something wrong and all specialists were telling me the same. It was not the EPO that made the difference. You know, I actually think Lance was incredibly talented. He did a lot of hard work and then he did EPO and he did other drugs. I don't think that he really had a, a bike in him, in his thing, in his, I mean, a, a motor in his bike. I don't know. You know, when he, he climbed, uh, up, uh, the how to calm, I think that's what it was. One of those. And he crashed and, you know, with, uh, the Basque rider hits the, the, the bike. Uh, the bag there goes crashing down to the ground. You know, his bike was kind of torn up. Um, you probably have seen some mechanical bike issues during that time. Was it 03? That might have uh, been a little bit more. So, uh, eh, I don't know. Seems to me a bit far-fetched, people. And if you want to go after Lance Armstrong, there's plenty to go after him for. That perhaps is not one of them. Okay, stage six, tour of the Basque country, Pies Basque, Basco. Uh, we had a bunch of, you know, look, after Friday's uh, podcast here uh, where everything kind of went wrong or went good for uh, Brandon McNulty, 
the questions then are, you know, how does it look for the weekend? And I was like, oh, you know, and I, I, I was going back and forth with Chris and Kurt, and I'm like, oh, I actually think um, he's got a good chance. I mean, there's, it's only, what, 70 miles. He'd probably be a little more fresh in the legs. And I had thought in my mind Formigal, but I had not really because these these short stages can actually be more explosive and you see attacks from longer range out and that's what uh, Roglic had to do and that's not only what he had to do that's what he ended up doing let's take a look though at the profile for the stage uh it was 110 kilometers 109 112 somewhere in that range had a cat one started off with a cat three right away like out of the box four and a half kilometers in another cat three at 12 hit a cat one at 23k hit a cat two at 43. I mean, this is when you're summoning them. So you're, you're climbing them even further than that. Uh, summon it at 43 and a half. Summit the next cat one at 68. You've got a cat three at 90.5. Some bumps in there at 95, 97. Uh, another little kicker at 103. And then the last cat one at 109. And that was a pretty nasty little up and down, up and down, up and down. So I figured Brandon McNulty would actually have a chance at it. But you going in here and turn on the, the TV. I think they're coming down the cat two here. And in that process, it's a pretty steep um, descent. You see Astana hitting the front, crashing the, the boards, uh, going down hard, going down the road hard, not down to the ground. And Roglic right up there being attentive, just follows along. Next thing you know, there's a little bit of a gap. There's a little bit more of a gap. Hershey had been up in the break. He comes back through there. Um, Adam Yates misses that this little move that's on a descent. We're seeing a lot of this stuff kind of just crashing and hitting as it is. But before we get there, I thought we'd just talk a little bit about what we ended up seeing with Formigal a few years ago. I don't even remember this. This is a stage, 114 kilometers, Cat 3, a Cat 2, and then piping out, I don't know if it was an, oh, Cat 1 finish here. This is the Vuelta 2016, stage 15. This was the ambush of the call, ambush at Formigal. And it's what took Chris Froome out of that race and Nairo Quintana for the overall win. Uh, it was on from from right up to the start. You can see there's a Cat 3 coming here at 37, and they hit the road running. First few K, they're attacking. Um, Sky gets caught out of it, and they're on the back foot. They're chasing. There's two-minute gaps, and they were never able to close this thing down. That thing was spread out all over the road all day and perhaps we would take a little, little look at some of the um i thought we'd just play a little summary for you guys if you in case you forgot about that i think it's a little little it's good to uh, be able to do and let's see if we uh, i don't know if i necessarily want the sound on here because that only helps with getting a strike but let's see what we do after an incursion into french territory the pack is back in spain for stage 15. Another high-altitude finish at the Pyrenean ski resort Aramon Formigal that will follow two ascents on the way. The stage is only 118 kilometers long and many attacks can be expected. This is quickly confirmed. Only five kilometers after the start in Sabinianigo, it's no less than Alberto Contador, sixth in the overall ranking, who attacks on a slight descent. Nairo uh, Quintana hangs on to him, while Froome, Chavez, Yates and Valverde don't follow. David Formolo. Sky on the, the back two Spanish-speaking leaders have good reasons to collaborate. Wrong with the no, Colombian can increase his lead. Contador could climb up the general ranking. Both have two teammates by their side. 
14 men are in the escape group. Amongst them, the mountain jersey, Kenny Elisonde, and the break has chance to succeed. King Kenny. Sorry. The escapees hold an average speed of 45 kilometers an hour, and mid-race, they have a lead of three minutes to the pack around Froome. Three minutes up on Froome with 43k to go. Omar Friday passes the first two stage difficulties, amongst them the Conte Fablo, a second category climb in the lead. And he plays a and part only six on points now lie between him and the leader Coming of the up. mountain classification, Kenny Elisonde. Alberto Contador has different goals. He collects two more bonification seconds at the intermediate sprint at Biescas. At the base of the Formigal, the gap between the two groups is at two minutes. That's when the race leaders decide to take over. Quintana sets the pace on the ascent, trying to confirm his lead. One after the other, the escapees are reeled in. Even Contador is taken on the final, steepest meters. Only Gianluca Brambilla manages to resist. The Italian from Etix Quickstep even manages to jump by and exhausted Nairo Quintana on the finish line to take his second major stage win after a success on the Giro d'Italia this spring. All right, pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know if you really cared about that, but I thought it was interesting and kind of a played into this. And the reason being is because Formiga, as you saw there, the teams hit it hard. They had bigger leads up front and they were able to attack, you know, uh, save actually uh, Quintana and uh, Contador, at least for the finish. Uh, the results there, Brambila and Quintana, and you end up seeing Talansky there. He was in that front group or he comes down two minutes out behind. Froome loses 240 and kind of just loses his chance at the race altogether. However, uh, let's get back into the Tour of Basque Country. So, you know, similar time, you got, well, they, they attacked a little bit later, but it was on a descent, and you had Omar Fraley, you had uh, the Astana guys pushing hard and really pushing down the descent, and the guys know this this area. Any of those Spanish guys that are from the Basque Country, they know this area. Uh, and I don't know that you necessarily saw Brandon McNulty having trouble descending, it's just there's some gaps and they're not staying up with Roglic. And that, that, by the way, that's also Tadej Pogacar who ended up staying with him. Now, they're just, there's just fractional seconds off. There, there's that volley in between, which we could show here. And I think this might have been part of the problem that you ended up having because in this valley in between the Cat 2 at 43 and 66K in, uh, which is, you know, between 60 and 40K to go, uh, there was a decent length of a valley there, a few little humps in there, and then we had this kicker with some 13% uh, plus, you know, percent um, gradients on it. And during that time there is where in the descent and on that flat that Astana just kept pushing it, Movie Star kept pushing it. Once again, they love to work for Roglic. I don't know, you know, I guess they're... They're wanting their chance to move up, but they also had the the next best place person, Roglic, with them. So working, they weren't going to do anything but displace Brandon McNulty, displace Tade Pagachar. They weren't going to leap much up. I guess they thought maybe that would uh, possibly be the case. However, in this road, in this section, uh, they're just right off the back, and Hershey, Tade Pagachar, and Brandon McNulty, who Brandon looked like he wasn't working as much, still with the precept of, I'm going to be the, the winner of this thing. We're going to get back, and I need to be saving a little bit myself. So you had Pogacar doing a ton of work in this. Meanwhile, Roglic up front uh, doing nothing. Then you had Jonas uh, in that group with uh, up front, actually, with uh, Roglic. So you still had that. that uh, and um, was Adam? Adam Yates, I think, was uh, with the UAE boys uh, right there with Tade. So then you come into that climb, and once again, they're like 20 seconds or so, and this climb gets pretty steep, and right away you're seeing McNulty having some issues. He starts to come off. They're kind of slowing down. They're holding out for him. Uh, Tadej Pogacar, once again, is on the front doing a lot of work, and pretty soon he's on his mic, 
and it looks like he gets the word leave McNulty. Now going over the top of the climb, I don't know if that was at that point the most necessary thing to do. What probably should have happened because they only had a few, maybe 15, 20 seconds at the most over McNulty going over the top. Perhaps it would have been better to say, hey, let's let's wait for him. Let's go over. Not work for him now. Uh, Brandon, you're not in position to do this. Tade is is the the person you need to sacrifice everything you can for him. You're a big motor, and then you have this valley between the Cat One and the Cat Three, which is between 68 and 90. So you've got a decent valley that once again through there, and it's all just kind of a downhill and then a sweeping up. Maybe you would then work for Pogacar to bring this thing all back together. However, it didn't. Pogacar leaves um, Brandon. Brandon's then riding with Guillaume Martin. They're having all kinds of trouble. That group up there, they have Jonas in with Tade Pogacar. Uh, up ahead, you've got Roglic with David Goudou. Uh, then they have, there's another one of the gentlemen, and we'll take a look here at the results. Uh, Valverde, Yates, Pogacar, David Gaudu, um, Alejandro Valverde, I think is who was up there, up the road with uh, Pogacar. He ends up despect dispatching to him. Oh, it was a uh, Hugh Carthy. That's right. He ended up uh, getting distance quite a bit. And on the last climb, Gadu ended up doing a little bit of an attack. Ruglich goes with him uh, and then gives him a fist bump with like what, two and a half. So okay to go basically like, Hey, I'm not going to sprint. I'm not going to pull the, the thing over you. Like I did uh, the Bahrain victorious rider a few weeks ago at uh, Perry Nice. You take the win. They both post up over the line with Gadu getting the win. And you got Roglic here. So it was Gadu, Roglic, Valverde comes in the next best with Yates, Pogacar. Uh, 35 seconds down. And Vinegard, Jonas, Bilbao, Chavez. And way down here, Brandon McNulty loses 757. Knocks him right off the podium. Uh, Roglic, Vinegard, they go 1 2 with Pogacar in third. Adam Yates from fourth. David Gadu, once again, continuing his climbing prowess. Doing really well. Remember, he uh, won a stage. I want to say, well, did he get the Tour de France? Um, he definitely won a uh, Grand Tour. Maybe it was um, two stages at the Vuelta last year. Uh, let's see if we have it here. Uh, best winning in 2020. I'm not sure if I can actually see his results. Either way, it was pretty impressive. I think Gadu is really coming around as um, someone who is going to be showing his worth. Um, two, two wins at the Tour of Spain last year, Vuelta a España. So he's, I mean, I haven't seen much of uh, his teammate, Thibaut Pino. So maybe uh, Gadu is the new guy on the block. So you get the overall win by Roglic. He seemed really happy. He was already out doing recon for the Tour de France. Uh, Pogacar, you know, it's living and learning. And he had some nice things to say about Brandon. It didn't seem like he was too upset. I don't think he ever would have overcome Roglic on the day. He had too much time to make up. Roglic looked superb. Um, but what you ended up seeing there was a difference from about 60K in to go, uh, how much work Pogacar had to do compared to Roglic. Roglic did some work near the end. He did work on, not really on the last climb even. Uh, he was able to save himself when he, second to last climb, he really put the herd into him. But the work was all being done in the back by Pogacar. Roglic didn't have to do that. He had uh, movie star. <laughs> he had Astana. He had Gaudu. He had uh, Hugh Carthy. Everyone kind of had their own little things. Uh, I understand Carthy's. I understand Gaudu's. I'm not necessarily understanding uh, Valverde or uh, movie star and or Astana on the day, but it's what it is. Um, Roglic getting a win, kind of redeeming himself out of Perry Nice. Is that the one he just lost? Yes, I believe that was. Okay. Uh, pretty exciting. Now, I just thought it was similar to Formigal. When you see these short stages that really have the the, the 
the ability to go more long range when you go, oh, I could, um, with all these climbs, I could probably go, you know, from 40K, 40K out, all these climbs, because uh, there's so many of them in here, and you're going to dispatch your team, and everyone's all over the board. You saw McNulty riding by himself a lot. You saw, you know, Pogacar basically riding. You saw, uh, it was like a, a pursuit out there. Uh, so the short stages, once again, that's why some of the women's racing is phenomenal because you get the short stages, you get a little bit more exciting and, it, and you don't have this just waiting long days of slogging around. So tour of the Basque country, exciting stuff. All right. What else do we have? Well, tour of Turkey is starting now. You might've guessed it in Turkey and stage one started off. We saw that, uh, team rally ends up getting a, the win with a bike throw, uh, over this Uno What's this guy, the other team, Uno X team rider of Christopher Halverson. But Halverson's teammate in the background is posting up. So tough, tough on you, buddy. It shouldn't have been done. Um, Arvid Dekling of Raleigh won the shortened 72.4 kilometer. It looks cold there, by the way. Opening stage of the Tour of Turkey, beating Halverson to emerge. And it looks like, uh, scroll all the way down here to the end of um, Pierre Barbier of Team Delco gets third with Mark Cavendish in fourth. I think those two off the front uh, tacked a little bit right before the finish um, as far as not the 300-meter mark for the sprint, but more like the eight or 600, and they ended up being able to just hold it off to the line. So good for them. Uh, however, you're like, oh, Cavendish is in there. There's uh, Philipson who just won Skel de Priest. You've got um, Andre Greipel, the gorilla, in there as well. Not a heavy, heavy team uh, or field for sprinters, but Cavendish, you know, just getting third in Skeldapriest. And I had ripped on him as far as what his uh, positioning, what he was doing, because he had Sam Bennett with him. Sam Bennett has been winning, 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 winning. We haven't seen a win from Mark Cavendish for three years. Hey, buddy, do some lead out. Don't just sit on the back and act and be excited about third place. Actually get your team the win. That's really what you're there for. I also had said when we had talked to Rob Dalto, earlier in the year that I expected Chris Froome to get a win before I did Mark Cavendish. Cue today's stage, I am wrong. We had Mark Cavendish ended up getting a win, Tour of Turkey. The Manx man takes overall lead as well. And first win in three years. So um, he was pretty excited about that. We'll take a look. I actually thought his sprint was exceptional for as far as uh, he does it. Mark Cavendish with the win over Jaspers Philipson of Alpeson Phoenix, Andre Greipel, Arvid Declain of the Raleigh team was in fourth. Nice to see him back up there. And maybe we'll be able to do a short little um, finish, some overhead of the finish here. Hope we don't get copyright strikes, but this is what it is. Okay, so you're seeing coming down the finish here, the Alpeson Phoenix team in the lead. And I'm not sure exactly. Then you have the Israel Cycling Academy uh, with uh, Greipel second and th uh, third and fourth there and then Cavendish no lead out sitting on the wheel of Greipel yeah Philipson goes really early I can't see the distance from the line there but you can see Greipel he's making his move to get up there Cavendish man he's not he's not sprinting hard yet you can tell he's just sitting there and all of a sudden he decides to attack now we're at, boom right at the 100 Philipson has this thing in the bag Cavendish comes up right behind him decides to go a little left pushing Greipel a little uh, half man that wasn't necessary boom gets the win over Philipson by about a half uh, half a bike, maybe a half a wheel or so. So maybe from the front, we'll be able to see this another angle. Um, once again, Philipson goes, I think he goes way too early. Although you see 150 there in the back, this is just the finish here in the last 100 meters. And Cavendish over Greipel quite easily, actually. So, ooh, his derailleur and chain are jerking around there. I don't know if you were able to see that. Didn't look like it was uh, maybe coming off. So 
anyway, happy happy uh, times there for Mark Cavendish getting the win. Congrats to him. Do we give him the ride of the, win of the week? I don't know. I think you give the ride of the week to uh, Roglic um, for his <laughs> dude was killed it there at Tour of the Basque Country. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm excited. That, he just wins and wins and wins. And then you, he, I think he's something about him um, when he loses, and he loses in dramatic fashion. Stage 20 of the Tour de France. I mean, having this thing all throughout, crushing defeat, helmet askew, looked, I mean, just, and then um, the 20-year-old the or 21, whatever uh, Tade was at the time, 22, I don't know, uh, destroys him and makes everyone look silly and kind of puts your whole month in question, you know, your existence for that. Sits out, comes back, does decent at the World Championships, ends up winning Liège Bastogne Liège with a weird bike throw over uh, a pre post up. Uh, say, did I say it? No. Alaphilippe? By the way, that's what I called uh, Mike at the race. I said, You didn't pull an Alaphilippe, did you? And then you have him going out and winning the uh, Vuelta. Excellent work by Roglic. I love to see his tenacity. Now, we're seeing uh, uh, two things. Two Slovenians on the on the calendar on the the world championship stage. Uh, Todej Pugacar, obviously, and Primoz Roglic, two amazing Slovenian riders from a small country that actually has a decent amount of of riders. Then you're seeing two of the best Americans to come out uh, for quite some time. Young guys, stage Grand Tour stage uh, hopefuls, Sepkus, Brandon McNulty. Okay, I think it's. It's awesome to see the two Americans, and let's be honest, they should be working in service of these two of the, the two Slovenians. This is kind of the way it is right now, but there seems to be a close connection. Brandon's kind of the one when when uh, those two are racing together. He and Tade that are kind of being able to hang. That's the guy that he's kind of looking for there. Even though Tade was was reaching out to support him. Look, by the way, Tade does the right thing here by trying to support. Um, Brandon as much as possible gives him kudos on social media and is super cool to him. What that does to Brandon is it, it makes him want to work just as hard or harder than he normally would possibly uh, for Tade in the future. And you give the support to the guy you need to when it's time, you're going to get it paid back. It's similar to um, Roglic, right? Given the, the gift in a sense to Gadu, you never know when you're going to need some help from the FDG team. Eh. But the point is, it's dividends that pay itself out later. You've had Roglic with that with um, Sepp Kost a few years ago in the Vuelta, allowing him to go get the stage win and you know doing so uh, again at Criterium du National uh, last year. Okay, that's what we have. Uh, I'm pretty excited about those two Americans working to, for the two Slovenians. Maybe sometime in the future, you'll see uh, these two Americans getting some support from other people as well, and maybe some more Americans. We will always be looking for that. Either way, it's been an exciting weekend. We've got Arden Classics, Classics going to start coming up here. So, pending any problems with ventures into France, these aren't in French uh, countries, we should have some good racing. And once again, those are the types of races that you see with a little bit of the Classics, a little bit with the GC riders, the punchy types. Mark Hershey, remember, he was the winner last year on the, one of the Arden Classics there. Um, are we going to see him be able to rebound? We haven't really seen him much. So I'm finally in the break weekend and he had to get pulled back to do a lot of work for Brandon McNulty and, and Paddy Bogacar didn't quite work out in the end but hopefully we'll see a resurgence in him as well so we're looking forward to some of those races we're looking forward to having the, the NorCal calendar that always interesting fight online with masters and guys promoting and whiny bike racers are you part of that problem I hope not 
Thank you, everybody. This is the Between Two Wheels Podcast, episode 232. Have a great week. We'll try to see you again on Friday.